spooking in the crime. Crime. Hey! <laughs> good one. That was really good. Good job. I hope Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch would be proud of that one. It is the spooking in the crime time. Dude, that's really good. We should probably change our name. <laughs> spooking in the crime? S- spooking and the crime and <laughs> time. <laughs> um, I like it. As if it's not saturated enough already. Mm-hmm. This medium is known for its spectacular st- uh, stories. It Yes. Spectacular times. That is correct. Events. Yes. Less crime because it scares me now. Yes. More than the stories you tell me, but. Correct. It's still there. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's fine. And so are we. Wow, I think that's what's really important. And so are you, hopefully. I really hope so. I hope you're there. Well, no matter what, we're getting listens. So <laughs> wow, <I'll> take it. <laughs> pretentious much. No, seriously, we really appreciate it. Um we just we just bought a condo and it's mm-hmm. very expensive. Mm-hmm. And it's very very um messy. Very powerful. Very powerful. A boosh. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Great. Guess who's going to watch that tonight? Probably. Probably us. Yeah, that's fine. All right, so <clears throat> what do we have today? Do you have uh, a little teaser for us? I do. Mine is something that is really not either one of the things that we talked about. Hmm the spook and other crime mm-hmm. but it's also sort of both same actually really mine is very similar to what you just described oh it's not spooky in the normal sense okay and there may or may not be crime nice so we can get into that i love it i love when things are super specific mm-hmm. and that they're not specific enough you know absolutely i love it all right you want to just jump into this yeah i think we should just kaploosh right in let's go okay so today i go first that's why i started talking first and i think we need to just wind the clock back a little bit i like that yeah let's go let's go back 1981 Interesting. A good year, as some may say. Sure. Wouldn't know. I honestly don't know a single thing in particular that happened in 81. Well, now we have to find out. <laughs> um, like, best picture, 1981. Yeah. Like, I have to imagine that Cher's hair was bigger and blacker and its best, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say that Tom Cruise probably still had a unibrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, wall didn't come down for a couple more years. Yeah. What do you, what do you got for me? Well, unfortunately, it's an it's a movie I've never heard of called Ordinary People. Oh, I also do um, not know that. So, but best picture, nineteen eighty one, or uh, Ordinary People. So. Okay. All right. So, uh, moving past that <laughs> awful segue. Um. <laughs> Let's go to a wonderful place, the height of this fad. 
Mm. It's about to emerge. Interesting. We're in an arcade. All right. Okay. You know how arcades are. You've been to an arcade? I do. I mm-hmm. spent, there was this little arcade in Fort. Um, and I believe I spent my 12th or 13th birthday there. My mom and dad were super great. And they gave like me and my friends like 20 bucks. Nice. And we just went into the arcade and it had some really, really fun games. It had the classics, you know. I had the Pac-Man, it had mm-hmm. the Dig Dug, mm-hmm. and then I had some more like, you know, fun games like DDR, mm-hmm. and there was like Whack-A-Mole. Yeah, dude. Oddly. Mm-hmm. Ski-Ball. Yeah. Ski-Ball. Mm-hmm. It was a great time. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what we got going on here. Yeah. It's like gambling for children. Exactly. Yes. All right. So our tale starts out with little Timmy Two Shoes. All right. Little Timmy, he's out. He's out at the arcade with all of his friends mm. today, and he is just racking up the points mm-hmm. on Miss Pac-Man. Okay, right. Unfortunately, his game ends <gasps> because he lost his last life. Uh. It's very unfortunate. So he turns away from the cat, uh, the the cabinet, and he sees this huge long line for this arcade cabinet that he's never seen before. He can't quite get a good look at the name, so he walks up closer, and he sees that Johnny is playing this game called Polybius. He's never heard of it before. Polybius? Yes. So Johnny is playing. He seems like he's super immersed into it. All these flashing lights, this digital glow. Um, he's got his hand on the joystick, buttons mashing like crazy, tiny lines and dots are dancing all over his face high-pitched beeps are going across everything and then the game ends he lost oh and then we see him sort of come out of a daze and once he's out of this daze he says well i can't lose i have to play again the kid behind him says excuse me no it's my turn the two of them get into a fist fight over this game. Johnny and Ronnie? Johnny and Ronnie are fighting mm-hmm. in a fist fight <sighs> over who gets to play this game next. Now, you you know, if you've never been to an arcade, you may think, well, if someone wants to play bad enough, they'll do it. Yeah. Thing is, Johnny threw the first punch. <gasps> he needs this game. Oh, my goodness. You said it's called Polybius? Yes. Now, because of this, unfortunately, both kids get kicked out. Ugh. And then the line slowly dies away, and Timmy Two-Shoes finally gets to play his game. Aw. Right? How exciting for Timmy. Yeah. He has fun. He enjoys it. It's a little weird. There's a lot of lights going on. Mm. It's a little bit more than he was expecting. It's kind of too much for him. Yeah, it's not very, like, auditory, sensory friendly. Yeah, so he decides to stop playing, go home for the night, and then he meets his friends Back at the arcade the next evening. Mm. Only thing is, Johnny's not there. Johnny is there every night. Interesting. Where's Johnny? Hmm. Nobody knows. Another thing that's weird, this machine that they had been playing on the day before is gone. And it's been replaced by a dig dug cabinet. Just a normal arcade game. Hmm. 
Why is there no Polybius? Interesting. Interesting. All right, so today I am going to be telling you a little bit about the so-called urban legend mm. of Polybius. All right, so. Can I just say really quickly mm -hmm. that I'm having a lot of uncomfortable sweats because mm. I, this is one of those stories where like, I feel like I know it, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's like you're telling me a memory that I had mm -hmm. that I don't remember. Mm -hmm. So I'm very uncomfortable because I feel like I know it, but I also don't know if I know it. And if I'm just like tweaking really hard. Great. Yeah, that's what I needed to say. And I'm done. That's fine. I'm really glad that you put that in there. You're welcome. Wow. Wow. Thanks. Okay, carry on. Um, so I got um, most of pretty much everything that is here. I got from an Atlas Obscura article mm. by Natalie Zarelli. Um, parts of it I'm going to read verbatim mm -hmm. just because the way that Natalie wrote it was it pretty much covered everything that we needed. Sure. Um and the way that Natalie writes is very engaging. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm going to be taking a lot from Natalie in this. Okay. So let's let's just rewind a little bit and kind of explain this story that, that we've gone through here. Mm -hmm. So we have in a suburban arcade near Portland, Oregon, in 1981, a dull digital glow is bouncing off the faces of teenagers who are clutching joysticks immersed in the game they're playing. Dots and lines dance or explode with high-pitched beeps. But one game cabinet, Polybius, is drawing the longest line. Gamers who tried it couldn't stop playing and began acting oddly. They were nauseous, stressed, and they were having horrific nightmares. Others had seizures or even attempted suicide. Oh my god. Many felt unable to control their own thoughts. It was only later that they recalled how Polybius was serviced more often than the other arcade cabinets. Mm. Men in black suits would open the machines every week, record the data, and leave without any interest in the coins in the machine. Soon after it appeared, the mysterious arcade game vanished without warning, taken by the men in black suits, leaving no record of its existence. And that is the story, at least. The legend is one of the big unsolved mysteries of the gaming world, though some concede that the game most likely never existed. It's since become an urban legend on gaming and conspiracy websites and the internet horror wiki Creepypasta. Mm. And like all good stories, it is kept alive by its fans. So, today we're going to be talking about Polybius okay. and this crazy game that supposedly existed mm. hurt a lot of people yeah. and then was never seen again oh my goodness okay i have several questions but i'm very excited to hear more nice okay i do have some pictures oh okay. but of course the picture display is not <laughs> in my hands so i can't show it to you that's fine is there someone in the bathroom sage you son of a bitch leave the toilet roll alone he likes to eat toilet paper i don't understand okay all right so it's uncertain just how far back the polybius story goes mm. but the earliest known discussion of it is thought to be from 1989 or 1998 
when a mysterious description appeared on the vintage gaming website coinop.org. The current entry for Polybius states that the game had a very limited release, one or two backwater arcades in a suburb of Portland, and according to rumors, it was developed by some kind of weird military tech offshoot group and used some kind of proprietary behavior modification algorithms developed for the CIA. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, this 1998 post was shared with others in 2000 on a precursor to the internet forums called Usenet and seemingly sparked further lore about the game. By 2003, it appeared in the list of urban legends in GamePro magazine. Mm. In coinop.org's comment section in 2006, someone by the name of Stephen Roach added to the story. He said, it was created by a company that he and a few other naive programmers began called Sinislotion. It's German. Okay. Do you know that? No. So I guess um, Sinis is like sense. Okay. And lotion is like to lose. Interesting. Or something like that. Okay. I have it explained here. So Hmm. um, basically these guys were hired by a separate South American company to do the work. They were merely in over their heads with their advanced accidentally dangerous graphics. So this word is described as not quite idiomatic German. So it's like constructed outside the norms of language. Okay. Um, meaning sense delete or sem- sensory deprivation. Oh. Um, so the words meanings are derived from the German words sinna, which is senses, and lotion to extinguish or to delete. But the way they're combined is not standard German. Okay. That makes sense. And as with most legends, of course, the details are quite evasive. Mm. No one has even has a copy of the original Polybius game file, which are often found and shared by vintage game lovers. Yeah. So no one can agree on what the game was actually like. It could have been a puzzle game, maybe a shooter game. They all exist at that time. And what kind of graphics did it even use? Yeah. You know, nobody knows. So Polybius, or at least the simulations fans have made of the legendary game, was disorienting and confusing. In it, colorful geometric shapes bend and fold from a center portal like some sort of digital acid trip. If you're prone to seizures, the simulation may actually trigger them. (gasps) Oh my gosh, that was definitely before uh, epilepsy warnings Uh on content. Jeez. Yes. Um, So I want to take a second to just really quickly explain some early video game lingo sure thank you um so i'm going to be using the words raster and vector in a, in a little bit mm. so raster uh which is also known as bitmap these are images that are described by an array of bits within a rectangular grid of pixels okay um so if you just imagine like a grid a certain square in that grid will be coded with a single like color or um information okay to present in a big whole picture okay um vector images however are described by lines shapes and other graphic image components that are stored in a format that incorporates like geometric formulas for showing the image Mm. um so those are a lot more complex okay 
usually they're not used in tandem. Okay. Um, they're usually used separately. Um, but according to legend, the intense combination mm. of vector and raster graphics in Polybius, which was supposed to be impossible, at least in 1981, mm -hmm. made the mind susceptible to subliminal messages from the U.S. government. What? Mm -hmm. So people are saying that when you're playing this game, random like flashes will appear on the screen uh -huh. just for a split second. But your brain will conscious unconsciously remember these sayings. Uh, and people believe that they're from the government. Oh my gosh. So of course the details about the game are ambiguous, but the story does have roots in truth. <gasps> even the part about the mind control and brainwashing. <sighs> Just a few decades before Polybius supposedly terrorized Oregon gamers. The government really was secretly testing unwitting subjects. MKUltra. How dare you? An unethical government-led experimental program of the 1950s involving LSD was uncovered in 1975 by the Church Committee of U.S. Congress and an investigation of the CIA whose predecessor controlled the program. Mm -hmm. Uh... So many of MKUltra's subjects did not know that they were part of the tests, all designed to explore brainwashing and confession techniques. Despite an attempted cover-up, a cache of 20,000 documents were revealed in 1977, and more information was declassified in 2001, showing over 185 researchers and 80 institutions participating in experiments with mind control resulting in terrible effects on the research subjects. Oh, gosh. Yeah. MKUltra could end up just being its own thing at one at some point mm -hmm. in the future, but mm -hmm. I know you've brought it up. Now I'm bringing it up. Yeah. This is huge. It's just, it's one of those things where if you mention it, especially in this in this context, like, you know that some serious stuff happened. Yeah. And just to have this Polybius, the Polybius game, just even like in the same, maybe possible background of just like, okay, well, what was going on? Mm -hmm. That's scary. Yeah. Because that's the whole thing. It's like, it, from my background, you know, like I, I like research and I'm in like the social sciences. You have to let people know, you have to have their consent mm -hmm. if they are going to be, ow. If they're going to be a participant. Yeah. And that's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to let go. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Great. Um, so alongside that, reports of injuries from video games actually happened too, although from entirely different arcade games. Okay. Um, a newspaper from the Portland area at the time reports that a 12-year-old boy named Brian got sick after drinking Coke and playing Asteroids for 28 hours. <laughs> An arcade representative said they were massaging his hands to keep him going. What? Obviously, your hands are going to cramp, but 28 hours. They, like, the arcade stayed open? Oh, yeah. it, what the hell? Mm -hmm. Another boy at the same arcade on the same no. day no. experienced a seizure from Atari's game Tempest. 
a puzzle game with fast-paced, disorienting graphics that Polybius is frequently compared to. Mm. Um, and I have a picture of this. Um, so you maybe would kind of be able to understand it okay. a little bit better. Um, kind of what Polybius may be like. Sure. Um, so uh, w- I think maybe the weirdest part about this is the government video game connection um, because it's real. Yeah. Um, the army and the Marines have before and still do use video games to train their soldiers. Sure. Um, what's more, shady arcade owners sometimes dabbled in illegal gambling, mm. drugs, you know, things like that. All the fun stuff. So the FBI may have actually been walking around arcades and checking machines for evidence. Mm. Combine all of that with the existence of the short-lived 1985 game Poly Play, an eight-game arc, or yeah, an eight-game arcade cabinet that was recalled possibly for copyright concerns mm. you have a pretty solid foundation for a massive urban legend mm-hmm. the name polybius could have been a misconstrued version of polyplay or an intentional reference to a greek historian named polybius who was born around 200 bce oh fun yeah okay so i i gotta pause here and ask you how do you feel about this so far? Like, a lot of people are skeptical. Sure. Say it never existed. This is just an urban legend. Okay. But others hmm. think that there's maybe a little bit too much of the truth in here. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. This is probably really not helping my case. But I just automatically just go to Stranger Things. And I understand that that is a fictional show produced for Netflix, but I find that the whole premise of that show, if you have seen it, is that nobody wants to believe the truth, but it's there the entire time. And so regardless of if Polybius or not, I know for a damn fact that this is not the first time, nor will it be the last, that maybe a small group of people have know that something is factual and they try and get it out and it's shut down. Um, and Hey, if it's an urban legend, it's a great urban legend. Exactly. But I also know that this kind of just makes for like a perfect story. I mean, truly you have, you have the boom of arcades you have the addiction that can come with um, with high um, high graphics, high sensory things. Um, you have Timmy Two Shoes. You got Timmy Two Shoes and little Johnny, little Johnny, Johnny and Ronnie. Johnny and Ronnie. I don't know. Mm. Also, Oregon is just so misty. Yeah. You know, like they could just slip away into the night. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. And then you tell me something about men in black suits coming and checking things. Mm -hmm. It's getting a little too deep at that point. You might be hard to pull yourself back out of a Yeah. Back out for a no on that one. I think the thing is, is what, okay. So in, in conclusion, 
I think that for some people, the only well, the only way that they can tell their truth is through a fictionalized medium. Mm-hmm. So, why not? Right. I how love about, it. How about you? Um, I'm gonna keep going and save oh. my opinion for the end. Mm, okay. Okay. So, Polybius itself may or may not exist. But that hasn't stopped its story from capturing the imaginations of gamers, writers, and artists. The Last Starfighter, a 1984 movie in which a man in black recruits a teen for his epic video game skills, might have been influenced by or influenced the legend. Mm. Um, it sort of reminds me, I've never seen this, but it reminds me a little bit of like war games. Sure. Um, a little bit. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, there's definitely parallels. Great movie, by the way. Um, a 2006 Simpsons episode called Please Homer Don't Hammer Him shows Bart next to a Polybius cabinet really? with property of the U.S. government stamped on the front. Oh, my God. Well, the Simpsons don't lie. Mm-hmm. A series called Doomsday Arcade by Escapist Magazine is based on it. Mm. Um Blister Declassified, a three-part series that was supposedly focused on Polybius, was canceled before the third installment could be released. Mm. Um, In 2015, a Kickstarter campaign for a Polybius documentary was in the works, but unfortunately it didn't get the necessary funding. Mm. So Polybius never really seems to completely go away. Some online members of the Vintage Arcade Preservation Society claim to own it, one even lists the serial number as 666. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, photos of unknown origin of its screen and cabinet bounce around the internet as quote-unquote proof mm. that it exists. Mm-hmm. And every now and then a supposed sighting of the cabinet shows up. Um, yeah. Many people believe it to be an urban legend or a hoax. But the story has still has people searching for the one thing that keeps it just out of arm's reach from fact, mm. which is hard evidence. Yeah. It's likely that they'll keep looking for quite a while. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like anything about this is going to surface anytime soon. Mm-mm. But nonetheless, I kind of want to play it. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine if it was just like, pac-man but the screen was turned upside down you're like mm-hmm. oh my god like inverse controls yeah and people like, just wow polivia right just... like actually guys <laughs> if you play it upside down it's regular pac-man oh my goodness it's fine it's fine yeah that's all i got just okay. um a maniacal government issued yeah arcade cabinet Ugh. that imp- imprints messages Ugh. to your subconscious yeah Ugh. but see here's the thing mm-hmm. it's it's stories like this that make anti-video game people rage yeah. so hard mm-hmm. it's like just leave me to my dark souls this is why we have the esrb there you go leave me alone they test this stuff to make sure it's not dangerous for the chillins. 
it's dangerous for my attitude mm-hmm. and my uh my blood sugar and my controller yes that's most... across the room on the floor yes yep. but it's great it's great stuff thanks mm-hmm. that's all i got today oh that was a good one nice wow nice and ambiguous yeah it is i personally think that there had to be something like that yes i just it, it's too convenient mm-hmm. to bring up mk ultra right alongside this without there being something that they have the government has their hands in every single pie yeah why not video games exactly on kids exactly if not to the extent of polybius something nearby mm-hmm. and i think that might be the scariest part of this i like that <laughs>episode of hannah mispronouncing uh, non-english words that's fair this is really our favorite segment of the week mm-hmm. and uh, i'm honored to be here yet again wow wow glorious host and guest <laughs> please please give us your first word mm. uh spiel. Oh. oh great well, today, in an effort to kind of keep up with the not-so-spooky, but also kind of spooky theme, mm-hmm. uh, mine is for sure real, I will uh, say. Can I really quick explain yes. why I said that about mine? Crime mm. being the MK Ultra thing. Yes, 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 yes. Because that was an actual real crime. Yes. And people actually got arrested and prosecuted for that. Good. And they had to pay reparations to the families. What? Because a guy jumped out a window. Yeah. Oh, God. So, actual crime, also a little spooky. Didn't that I'm also, did, didn't that, didn't MK Ultra also, like, inspire Stranger Things? Yeah. Dude. Extensively. Stranger Things coming all around. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the next season. Nice. Wow. Same. Great. I really did like your story, though. I think it was very nice. Nice. Thanks. Okay, so I'm going to jump into something that, oh, into my story, and it's a little ditty about a place in Paris. Paris. Uh, Paris. Uh, again, I am sorry to everyone out there who speaks French, knows French. Let's just be honest, to everyone else that has to listen to this. Is this the Beast 2 Return of Jevoudan. Yes, this is. I'm actually just telling the exact same story. Oh. <laughs> it's the Bees of Jevoudan, also. As well. As well. <laughs> Here we are in Jevoudan. Jevoudan. Oh, oh my goodness. Wee oui, wee. Oui. No. All right. So, uh, strap in your 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 good walking shoes because we're going underground. I am very uncomfortable in caves. Oh. Okay. Great. Well, this is sort of a cave, but here, let's let's go ahead, all right? Mm. All right. So, uh, first and foremost, I got my information from a lot of really great places, but also kind of like last week's, I'm not going to tell you right away because it's the actual website for this place. I was just going to say it. Nice. Okay. So, <clears throat> let's go. 
Let's go. As Paris grew into a major European hub, as it is now, it eventually ran into a major problem, as many European cities did. By the 17th century, enough people had lived and died in Paris that cemeteries were Mm -hmm. overflowing. Mm -hmm. Overstocked. I'm sure they were. They sure were. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you happen to remember this thing called, I don't know, the Black Plague. Oh, no. Um, um, I thought yeah. you were talking about Goku Black, actually. Mm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's just an evil version of Goku that Jeez. appears in Dragon Ball Super. So. I just can't believe that there's an evil version of Goku. He is like the sun and light. That's true, actually. It's just ridiculous. But like Goku. <laughs> Great. Overstuck. <laughs> Paris was overstuffed with graves to the point that when people died, they were just left uncovered. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Which, and especially in a highly religious country, that yeah. is, like, not okay. Just waiting for, like, a roommate, basically. Basically. Yeah. Um, That's unfortunate. I'm so sorry. 17th century Paris. Yeah. To you and to all of you that passed away. Um, But, of course... With every problem, Comes there a is solution. a solution. Yes. So the solution arose to place them, that is, the bodies of those who did not have any room, into tunnels that existed beneath the streets of uh-huh. Paris since the 13th century. Mm-hmm. Remnants of a time when limestone quarries were mined to build Paris into the thriving city that it is today. Uh-huh. Justin, you look quite uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Don't, uh, mm. don't, don't stop on my account. Oh, I sure won't because I'm going to tell you something very fun. Uh-huh. By the time these burials ended, six million Parisian bones came to find their final resting place in the city's catacombs. That the city is way too many people. It sure is. And that's right. Today, everybody, we are going to be talking about the Parisian catacombs. No, I'm good. These have the catacombs have so many different names. Of course, there are many ways that locals refer to the catacombs. There's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the official names. But I'm just going to go ahead and we're just going to talk about the catacombs. Okay. I think first and foremost, probably just um, the bad place. Yes. Um. Second tourist destination. Yes. Uh, um. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's Stupid really good. Americans go down there. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Justin, uh, I'm assuming you've heard of the Parisian catacombs before. Slightly. Okay. It just seems like you're having like a visceral response to it. So. Yeah. No. Uh. I have seen videos of people in the catacombs uh-huh. that I don't need to ever see. Sure. Again, I never wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the thing is, is that when you Google um, these catacombs, you, of course, get the pictures of what it actually looks like. But then you have a lot of white guys in supreme baseball caps posing, (laughs) I crap you not, Uh with the peace sign in front of just millions of bones. Uh And it's like, okay, Jimothy, what are you doing? Yeah. Of course... Half of them are named Jimothy. Yes. The other half is Brent. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Traver. Yeah. Yeah. Traver is probably (laughs) a quarter of the population that goes down there. (laughs) 
it's like one or two Miguel's, but it's fine. Right. Yeah. We don't know where they came from. No. They're there. They're just there. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. So we're going to go ahead and talk about the history of the catacombs a little bit more. And then, of course, just kind of talk about why it's a thing and what it is today. I have a lot of pictures to show you, but so I will let you know when to look at those. Okay. Great. All right. So in Paris, there is a section of uh, of the city called Le Halles. Les, I don't know if you say if you pronounce the S for French. Les Halles. Le, Le Halles. Um, I'm trying to think of preacher. I think it's like Les Enfants. Les en- so maybe like Les Halles. Le, Les Halles. Yeah. Les Halles. Okay. Anyway, so there's. I'm so sorry. So there is a specific <laughs> neighborhood near. Le Innocence. That's like less innocence. Mm-hmm. Okay. The city's oldest and largest cemeteries were first among were the first sorry, were among the first to complain. Reporting the cemetery exuded a strong smell of decomposing flesh that even perfume in the bustling streets and stores could not uh, thrive in their businesses because of the off putting mm-hmm. smell. How fun. So in 1780, a prolonged period of spring rain uh, caused a wall around the Innocence to collapse, which uh, resulted in spilling rotting corpses into neighboring oh. properties. So legitimately, bodies were floating down the street. Yeah. I know this happened. I want to say it was in like new orleans yes that happened like during the hurricanes and stuff yeah and that's why that's why people are buried above ground right in mausoleums because yep yep oh gosh yep and i guess again like i'm really not trying to make light of this by any means but i understand that for a lot of people like burials um you know and, and cemeteries like they're very sacred grounds like that's a ritual that you do um this is just wild it's but crazy yeah. exactly but really though especially in europe you have a lot of people mm-hmm. crammed into a little space it's just a nightmare yep. scenario yep so again as we know what to do with the bodies we go underground mm-hmm so uh, into the tunnels, the bones from cemeteries five stories underground into Paris's former quarries uh, were placed. That was a very strange sentence. Anyway, so cemeteries began to be emptied in 1786, beginning with the largest cemetery that we just talked about in Les Innocents. It took the city 12 years to move all of the bones from bodies numbering between 6 and 7 million into the catacombs. Oh, man. Some of the oldest bodies date as far back as to the Merovingia, Merovig- more than 1,200 years ago. Mm-hmm. Great. Catacombs in their first year were a disorganized bone catastrophe. Yeah. Uh, but thanks to Louise Etienne Heracart de Thury, director of the <laughs> Paris Mine Inspection Service from 1810. Uh-huh. He had an idea to do renovations that would transform the caverns into a visitable mausoleum. Okay. So we can credit the catacombs as what they look like now to this Louis guy. 
Okay. Okay. I mean, he did he did right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I just think it's interesting that, um, it was something that they wanted to do in the first place. But yeah, I guess. But also, like, what? How did it take so long? Right. It's just very odd. Yeah. Um. So, in addition to directing the stacking of skulls and femurs into patterns seen in the catacombs today, and if you want to open up your iPad and look at the first picture. I don't know if I do. <laughs> he used the cemetery decorations he could find, which were formerly stored uh, at a separate cemetery, um, to complement the walls of bones. Wow. That is... Uh, yep. That is horrifying. Yep. Truly. So literally it's like wet almost on the ground. Yep. Oh man. It is just millions of bones stacked upon each other. Ooh. Also created was a room dedicated to the display of various minerals found under Paris and another showing various skeletal deformities found during the catacombs creation and renovation. He also added monumental tablets and archways bearing ominous warning inscriptions and also added stone tablets bearing descriptions or other comments about the nature of the ossuary. ossuary. And, uh, and to ensure the safety of eventual visitors, it was walled from the rest of Paris's left bank, um, which was already an extensive tunnel network. Justin, today the catacombs are some 200 miles long of a various labyrinth that are believed to exist, though not all of it is open to tourists. Despite, again, despite the vast length of the tunnel, the underground world, only a small section is open to the public. Mm -hmm. And this tiny portion known as the Denfer Rocherer Ossuary or the catacombs has become one of the top tourist attractions in Paris and across the world for uh, adventures of the dark. Dark tourists. Dark tourists. Yeah. I guess my biggest... I don't want to say complaint, but just my biggest worry about this. Cause when I saw these pictures, I was like, what the hell? Why did they do this? Yeah. It's just, I understand that, that a lot of people have their own opinions about being buried or whatever, but like they completely take, a, they took away all the gravestones, like yeah. and the headstones, like, and you're just stacking. There's no human... identification. Exactly. It's just like it's a very demoralizing thing. Yeah. What am I trying to say? Dehumanizing. Dehumanizing. Yeah. It's just very. But I can imagine it's if you were to go through it. I'm wondering if it's just like a very like oh my gosh like this will be me one day. Kind of. We were watching Full Metal Alchemist last night, oh, and yeah. the one is all, all is one. Yeah. It's just like. You are dust, and to dust you will return. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to wrap my head around it of like, you're taking away the marker, but is the marker really important? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is interesting, however, because the catacombs actually became a popular attraction for royal families and people of importance in, or, in and around 1860s naturally um and that was when it was actually opened to the general public um some and again as i was just talking about the um the lack of uh recognition 
Um, there are, however, some notable people who were buried in the crowded cemeteries. Excuse me. Um, some of them being uh, prominent Frenchmen who may or may not be placed because we know for a fact that they were in a cemetery uh-huh. that was then excavated and put into the catacombs, but we don't actually know where they are in okay. there. Yeah. But some famous people are Charles Perrault, who wrote Little Red Riding Hood, Puss in Boots, and Cinderella. Wow. Um, and then some other like pretty cool uh artists and then Solomon de Brosse, who basically designed the Luxembourg Palace in Paris. Nice. So some wow. fun little things. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so now I kind of just want to describe this uh, basically like cave of bones to you. Um, And I found this really interesting article by Madeline Munford, who she writes for uh, a travel company. Um, And I just kind of wanted to take you through it just to be like, okay, well, this is what actually it would look like if you were to do the tour. Um, So I'm just going to go through this really quickly, if that's all right. Yeah, let's go. Okay. I'm very curious. Okay. So according to Madeline, uh, this is an incredibly popular attraction and the wait to get in is usually over an hour. However, she recommends that to avoid the long line, you should purchase your tickets ahead of time. Another tip, of course, would also be to go in the low season and outside of French school holidays. Uh, For safety and preservation reasons, it is forbidden to bring suitcases and luggage into the catacombs. And unfortunately, there are no cloakrooms on the facility. So if you got a heavy coat, you got to bring it with you. Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that seems to be pretty self-explanatory. Uh-huh. Like, you're going underground, but it's fine. All right. So, Justin, we're going to go ahead. I'm basically, I feel like I'm, like, walking you through, like, It's a Small World or, like, the Tower of Terror at Disney. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the first part of the experience is unlike anything you've ever done before, according to Madeline. It's a spiral staircase descending into the earth with triangular steps and walls that seem to get slightly more moist the farther you go down. Think of it like climbing a tower, but just going in the opposite direction. And yes, there is a railing that was put in a few years ago to help you down each step of the way. Once you're finally finished with the stairs, you navigate a few narrow corridors with the group of visitors you were let in with. The walls on the ground feel like a cave. It's hard to believe you're still in Paris, which is one of the most luxurious capitals in the world. The first part of the catacombs acts as an exhibition explaining a bit of the history with images on the wall and complementing text panels translated in various languages. From here, you will navigate through a few more tunnels with varying ceiling heights, so tall visitors should watch their heads. Um, In this section of the catacombs, there are no bones yet, but the exciting part of the journey will soon come. Next, you will go through the Port Mahone Corridor, which displays magnificent sculptures erected by a French quarryman named Francois de Cure. After you enter, you will be face-to-face with the Cure's beautiful replica of the fortress of Port Mahone in uh, Menorca. He sculpted it by memory as he was once imprisoned there. Um, If you want to go through the pictures, Bubba, I have the next picture of the quarrymen's footpath. So after the Port Mahone corridor, you will find a part of the catacombs that resembles a wishing well. This is called the quarrymen's footpath, 
originally used by quarrymen working in the catacombs to get access to water for mixing cement and to clean themselves before returning to ground level after work. After you've gone through the first section of the catacombs, you're finally in one of the larger rooms full of arrangements of skulls. Intermixed are plaques, tombs, and altars that all commemorate the dead. Yeah, that's awful. So yeah, as you can see, it looks like a bunch of skulls and a bunch of femurs. Yep. And next, the ossuary. Am I saying that correctly? Ossuary? I think it's ossuary. Ossuary? I don't actually know. Okay. It's just one of those words where it's like, there's a lot of vowels. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, so you will know that you've made it into the ossuary when you stop at a plaque that says in French, stop. This is the empire of death. Uh, yep. Rude. Really welcoming. Rude. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> According to Madeline, she says, I remember feeling so spooked at the sight of all these skulls piled tall and wide. I was overwhelmed at the idea with the idea that these bones were part of history and at one point connected with real Parisians with their own lives and secret histories. If you're here to see skeletons and dissembled bones, this place delivers. In this room, you'll also see a lamp that used to be lit with oil to signal that there was oxygen in the air and that it was safe for workers in the quarries to continue. When this lamp was no longer lit, the workers had to quickly exit the catacombs as there was no oxygen left. What? <laughs> yep. That's terrifying. Uh-huh. Uh, she says, this isn't an issue for current the current attraction, however, as thankfully there are plenty of air vents. Wow. <sighs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yep. Um, other fights, uh, excuse me, other sites you'll find in the ossuary include the fountains, the fountain of the Samaritan, a spring, and Gilbert's tomb, which features a poetic verse in French. The part of the ossuary that struck me the most, however, was a barrel-shaped column column of ankle bones and skulls called the crypt of passions and again if you want to scroll down you can find that yeah that is very bizarre Uh uh-huh i hate that a lot i really do too and then next to it there's just like a bench with a light yeah and you're like yeah this is fine yeah what the heck it's just it's it's so striking yeah just to see human remains assembled in this way mm-hmm. i really don't know if i have ever ever seen anything like this i don't think so i no. definitely haven't i went to that um i went to like a body works art oh, museum yes yeah, uh, it was like a traveling like muscle show yeah but even then i don't know it was it it didn't feel like this i don't know no. how to say it yeah. yeah this doesn't feel educational yeah or scientific it feels like it's an attraction yes and it just it's just so strange just to know that this is under under paris yeah it's just very strange yeah. um but so that's that's the end of the tour but now okay. i want to talk about some of the funky stuff uh, that happens because okay. justin mm-hmm. In a place filled with six to seven million bones and uh-huh. bodies, uh-huh. you got to have some weird stuff. This is true, actually. Yep. And maybe it's not all paranormal. Mm. So we're going to talk about three specific incidences that make the Parisian catacombs uh, 
really a hub for a lot of people. In the early 1990s, a group of cataphiles, which are people who studied and explored the Parisian catacombs regularly, were walking through the dark chambers of the cemetery. They happened upon a strange video camera on the ground. No. To their surprise, the camera had footage in it. No. As the group watched the footage, they heard some disturbing noises. No. It became apparent that the man holding the video camera was quite lost and had somehow gotten down there and had no idea how to escape. In the video, the audience can clearly draw that the man is going mad inside of the underground labyrinth and network of tunnels. All of a sudden, the video ends abruptly with the man dropping his camera on the ground. Justin, to this day, no one knows who this man was Mm -hmm. or if he came out alive. Have you seen this? So, no, I have not. You haven't. And I will not. This is the one that I've seen. You've seen this? Yes. Why have you seen this? I don't know. Why would you put yourself through this? I don't know. I think it was like on a list of like the most (sighs) unsettling videos on the internet or something like that. Uh -uh. When I was like, you know, a youngster in college, youngster Joey, I just, I watched it and... It scarred me deeply. I'm so mad at you. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. I, so I know about this one. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is awful. Oh, jeez. I see like I, I can't and I will not. No, nah, it's definitely don't. I do not <sighs> recommend that. Okay. Good to know. Thank you. Well, I'm so sorry. I am going to keep talking about it. Absolutely. Um, But yeah. I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. So many believe that the movie, the 2014 movie, as above, so below was inspired by this tragedy. Uh, so if you've not heard of As Above, So Below, uh, it is a 2014 American horror film that was written and directed by uh, John Eric Dowdle and his brother Drew. Mm. It is presented as uh, found footage of mm-hmm. a documentary crew's experience exploring the catacombs of Paris and was loosely based on the seven layers of hell. Oh, cool. Something that I I didn't know that there were seven layers. Oh, yeah. So that's fun. Isn't that Dante? Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. I think that's Dante. Yeah, that is. It's for sure him. Okay. Um, I'm just going to talk about the plot very quickly because I do believe that the first couple of um, sentences will really intrigue you. Good. So uh, Scarlett Marlowe, who is the main character, who is a young alchemy scholar continues her dead father's work searching for the philosopher's stone a legendary alchemic substance capable of turning base metals into gold or silver and granting eternal life wow first discovered by sir nicholas flamel interesting okay so there's some like templars in here oh yeah 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 okay so yep so it says that um they find a drawing on the door of the ceiling with an uh, Gnostic star of David symbolizing as above, so below, which reveals a hidden door in the floor. Going through, they find a tunnel marked with the phrase, abandon all hope, ye who enter here in Greek, which is identical to the entrance in hell's in, to hell in Dante's Inferno. Yep. Great. There's nine circles of hell. Um, nine circles? But oh, um, there's seven layers. So, like, the bottom ones are all kind of 
they're, they're part of the one layer. So we're like, it's like the bottom, the worst, and then the yeah. closer to the top you yeah. are. Okay. Well, the bottom is like that's where Lucifer is. Is Purgatory one of those layers? No. Well, <laughs> Limbo, yeah. Oh my god, that's like the top one. Okay. Yeah. You know that might just be its own separate thing. That's a lot of really interesting references. Yes, I like it. I just find it very interesting. And you know what? If you want to watch it, go for it. Um, it, uh, it was seen to do pretty good I, I think the box office it was good yeah yeah it grossed 41 million and it only had a 5 million that's budget, really good so yeah round tomatoes gave it a 26 percent like but like whatever yeah do your thing you know what 400 great it's fine sweetie great all right two more things real quick great so we have uh next during the french revolution a lovely man i don't know if he was lovely but we're just gonna say he's a lovely man hmm. named philibert s Payart. same actually apps apps yard apps yep was a doorman at the val de grace hospital on a mission to fetch a certain liqueur from the cellar, Philibert accidentally fell into the Paris catacombs instead. No, okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That yeah. cannot be. You can't have the entrance that close. No, you can't just have holes all over the place. It's very confusing. Yeah. According to legend, walking around the pitch black catacombs alone with just a single candle that somehow he also fell in with, Philibert became, became incredibly lost and confused. Many believe he also may be intoxicated, though he was working at the time. Uh, Philibert's candle blew out, making his vision completely black. Uh-oh. And unfortunately, it took 11 years for people to discover his body. Oh, my gosh. In the catacombs. Philibert. They identified his body from the, ca- the hospital key ring hanging from his belt. Uh Philibert is buried in the catacombs in the exact place where he died with a tombstone describing his death. Oh. Cataphiles and catacomb folk tellers tell tellers say that each November 3rd, Philibert's ghost haunts the labyrinth <gasps> of the catacombs. Whoa, really? Yeah, I guess cuz why not? Dang. Yeah. That's so. a, I mean it's a nice a nice gesture yeah he has a really nice tombstone it's like one of the only marked tombstones in the entire place so like i guess good job philibert yeah Yeah. well i mean sorry you fell i'm so sorry you fell and got lost that's really sad it is really sad wow all right and last but not least one of the strangest things i have ever heard and i hate it okay (sighs) okay Mm -hmm. in 2004 Mm. Parisian police mm-hmm. were assigned to do a just routine training exercise in a previously uncharted part of the catacombs of Paris. Nah. Beneath the Palais de Ch- <laughs> I just Excuse sound, me? I'm really not trying to be rude. I just don't know how to say these words with the letters that mm-hmm. they are arranged in. I'm sorry. Correct. Palais de Chalot? Yep. Okay. Great. Great. Entering the catacombs through a drain... Officers first came across a sign that read, building site, no access. Strange. Yeah. Wait, building site? Building site. In the catacombs? In the catacombs. They entered through a drain and found this sign. Uh, Okay. Suspicions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And again, like, there there is a specific part of the catacombs which are for tourists only. Right. And the rest of it is off limits. 
wouldn't you think that they would be aware of building going on? You would assume so. And what are you building underneath the city? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I hate it already. Uh-huh. And a bit further past this sign was a camera. No. That actively recorded images of those who passed. No. As the officers approached the camera, they not only saw a reflection of themselves being recorded, but heard a loud recording of dogs dogs barking as the camera and sensors were triggered. Are you serious? I'm absolutely (gasps) serious. (gasps) Oh, that's awful. Justin? Oh, my God. The police descended deeper into the tunnels and discovered a 500 square meter cavern with fully equipped cinema equipment everywhere. It included a giant screen, projection equipment, chairs, and a handful of films from film noir classics to recent thrillers. Someone had turned this abandoned underground cavern into a secret amphitheater that was heavily, heavily secured and protected. Aside from this, in the next room, police discovered a fully stocked bar and restaurant, complete with tables and chairs. This discovery left police befuddled, not to mention the professional installation of electricity and three phone lines underground. Justin, three days later, police returned with experts from the French Board of Electricity to try and figure out where the power was coming from and maybe get to the bottom of what was going on. When the police and the Board of Electricity came to the area that was once explored, they found that the power cables had been cut, and instead of any evidence of the cinema, a note instead was found lying on the floor saying, Ne cherchez pas, meaning don't search. (gasps) Wow. What the actual hell? I don't know if it was just me, but like your eyes look like they're tearing up a little bit. And they are. Reflect? Okay. They are. <laughs> what so the sad. hell is that? Yeah. Yeah. I think the dogs barking thing really got me. Because uh-huh. it's like, why? Yep. Why would you make that noise in the catacombs? Yes. Why? What are you guarding that needs to have a security system like that? That's in that's like next level security. Yes. That's like bank security. Uh-huh. So it's like what was being shown down there? And like it just gave me vibes of like underground um I don't know what they're called, but like really scary like body gore movies. Oh yeah. Um do you remember like snuff films? Yeah. Like do you remember in um did you watch Freak Show, American Horror Story? Yeah. Okay, so, oh my God, what's her name? Ah, it was like the the ringleader. She got she got her legs cut off in like one of like a like a German yeah, horror movie. Yes, I remember That's that. That's what this reminds me of. I know yes. there's no implication of that, but like, no, I'm just thinking about. I, oh my God, it reminds me of the tombs in Preacher, like yes. people gathering around, like rich people, and they bet on who's gonna uh, like. Huh? Which one is going to kill the other one? Uh, 
Yeah. It just and like that would make so much sense. Like, okay, highly secured place. You have the alcohol. You have the food. What is going on? Oh my god! It's either that or like some college boys are trying to recreate Dead Poet Society, and I absolutely ship that. But like, don't. That is maybe one of the worst things I've ever heard. I'm so especially because they never they don't know anything about it. Uh-huh. Like the person just took off. Yep, After and they took cutting the... the power lines. Yes, taking everything, mm-hmm. and there's just a note. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. Yep. So, Catacombs of Paris, everyone. Oh, 10 out of 10, Rick Man, Mike. that was awful. <laughs> uh, if you were interested in visiting, according to the official oh, website, uh, tickets run anywhere from 5 to 23 euros, depending on your age. That's not bad. It's really not bad. And I think it's like an hour long tour. That's really good deal. Uh huh. You can get an audio guide if you want. Oh. Uh. Um, and some stable shoes, some stable close-toed shoes are highly recommended as I can get a little slippery and wet. Wow. <sighs> that was really good. Thank you. But I also hate it. Yeah, that's how I felt about your story, dude. Great. <laughs> Great. That was amazing. Good job. Thank you. Good job, you. Um, do you have a recommendation for us? I do. Um, it's really not one, but I just kind of wanted to, um, preach a little bit really quickly, if that's all right. Um, I understand that people may listen to this outside of this month, but mm-hmm. if, if you are not aware, uh, June is pride month Whoa! and I just want to say for my own personal, uh, recommendation is I just want. I want you, dear listener, to um, to talk to people who are different than you, mm-hmm. to watch movies and TV shows and listen to music from people who identify differently than you, who speak different languages, who look different than you. Um, Pride Month, I understand, is something that should happen all of the time. And I always want people to be proud of who they are. But there are so, so many great, beautiful things that are going on. So to bring it back to the golden year, what I'm going to do for my recommendation is I highly recommend going back to 2018 and listening to a little known song by Lil Nas X called Old Town Road. Oh, my God. Which was the biggest banger of summer 2018 written by a black gay man let's go it's so good i love it also sun goes down by lil nas x oh 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 i feel like you're omitting billy ray i'm sorry billy ray is also unnecessarily (laughs) i mean really that song is only two minutes long in general and then you get like you add billy ray and it's like all right classic good call okay sweetheart sorry very good yeah um I think I'm really gonna I'm gonna have to be a bad recommender. Nice. And recommend. I can see you searching. No, I, okay. I have it. I'm just trying to figure out how to say it. Mm-hmm. So 
There's an SNL skit. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Which one? Which one are you going to do? <sighs> That's the problem. There's so many good ones. Oh, my God. I feel like what I have to do is Debbie Downer. Oh, my gosh. It's such a classic, and I know a lot of people already know it. But if you go on YouTube and you look up SNL, Debbie Downer, mm-hmm. and watch the Disneyland one, yes. it will probably make you cry a little. <laughs> it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and I feel like everyone just needs a laugh right before the start of summer, you know? I agree. I think that that skit has everything that I want in a uh, a humor sketch mm-hmm. because my favorite thing is when the comedians break. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon, he always breaks, but yeah. it just makes me so happy. But just to see everybody in there just break at least once is mm-hmm. just, it's perfect. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it's official. I can't have children. <laughs> but that's just sad so i'm that's sorry spoilers sorry all right well i think that's it all right be proud of who you are spookable do it wow we love and adore you and we hope that you stay safe and stay spooky see you next time goodbye goodbye